Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of View from the Bridge, London's Chelsea podcast. I'm Scott Trotter and I'm joined today by my fellow Chelsea writer, Bobby Vincent. How are you doing, Bobby? I'm good, Scott. How are you? Not bad. Back from holiday, having missed an undefeated period for Chelsea, which has been a rare thing of late. Um, missed lots of goals, which has been an even rarer thing to, to see at Chelsea. Um, but ple- pleased to be back and, you know, I'm sure we'll see lots against Manchester City this weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're. I don't think Chelsea fans will be happy to see you back, Scott. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, probably not. <laughs> but um, so yeah, a draw against Nottingham Forest. Um, probably not the result everybody was hoping for after after three points the week before for Chelsea, and you know maybe hoping to build some momentum for Frank Lampard, but. What what did you make of the game, Bobby? Just give us your verdict, and you know what what was the much to be positive about afterwards? There are a few things. Uh, I think first half Chelsea were extremely poor. Um, Forest were good, but not amazing. It was it was a very uh, not a lot happened, but Chelsea didn't impose themselves as much as they should have done, as much as they wanted to, like they did at Bournemouth last week. Or the week before, sorry. Um, it was, yeah, it was a pretty stale first half, and Forrest got the goal. A uh, bit of a mistake from the returning Edward Mendy. Um, came out, punched the ball, got nowhere really near it, and, you know, I think he almost clattered Thiago Silva on, the, on his way. So that wasn't great from his point of view, and it's not the return he would have been hoping for. I always thought Lampard would chuck him in for one game at least between now and the end of the season and he did um but yeah i think it will come on to it later but i think it shows you know what what chelsea need to do in the summer transfer window one of the many things they need to do um yeah second half was a bit better they started started really well chelsea actually um and that was mostly down to raheem sterling he just looked i don't know what lampard said at halftime to the team or to him personally, but he just looked like a different animal and came out, scored a uh, a fairly fortunate goal with uh, due to deflections, but it was well worked. Uh, Trevor Chalaber had a really um, good assist, really nice role in there. He played really well as well from right back, um, crossed it in and Sterling, I think it was deflected past Kaelor Navas. And then the second goal was a bit of uh, genius from Sterling, uh, something we haven't really seen from him this season at Chelsea and something that, you know, we hope to have seen a lot more of because we all know how good he was at Manchester City. And it was a brilliant solo goal. I think he sat down Felipe 
then just curled it into the far corner. And it was a brilliant goal. It was unstoppable. And yeah, you thought from then, you know, Chelsea were much improved and we thought we'd go on, go on to see Chelsea going to get another three points and that would have been great considering they're running between now and the end of the season. And unfortunately, Forest equalised fairly swiftly after that. Fairly swiftly after that, um, another header from the striker whose name I struggle to pronounce. I'm not even going to try it. Um, and yeah, it, then it was two all, and there was a bit of pressure from Chelsea. It was a bit from Forest, but to be honest, it seemed it seemed like both sides were more than content to get the point and get out. To be honest, which is you know is probably a reflection of where Chelsea are right now. And they were a bit cautious of letting Forrest counter-attack them because that's what they were set up to do. Uh, Steve Cooper set his side up really well, I thought. And their plan worked. You know, They probably should have scored a few more goals on the counter-attack. And Chelsea were very wary of that. I think you know, two all at home to a relegation threat inside like Forrest isn't a good result. But I think Lampard was... I think he was very keen to for his side not to lose first and foremost, rather than go straight out for the win. And you can say what you want about that, but I, that's my opinion. I think I think that was the case. And yeah, the game finished to all. Lampard uh, spoke about a few positives after the game, spoke about a few negatives. Uh, was very... Had a lot of praise for Reem Sterling, um, saying that Chelsea need more players like him. And yeah, uh, you know, it was probably Chelsea's... Chelsea's I don't want to say easiest, but their most winnable game between now and the end of the season on paper, and they didn't, unfortunately. But yeah, now now on to um, the soon-to-be champions, Manchester City. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, what was Lampard like following the game? Obviously, recent weeks we've seen him have some digs at the team on some occasions. He's been protective of the team on other occasions, and he's obviously in this weird time of limbo where there isn't a great deal of time left for him to have an impact on the team. Um, you know, it doesn't look like he's just trying to make a pitch for his next job with these selections. Is he looking to benefit Chelsea as much as possible? What what kind of vibe did you get from Lampard after the game? It was, uh, he was very, he wasn't too much either way really, as in he, he did it, he didn't necessarily have digs at his team, but he, um, he did bring up a few things that, you know, they can prove. I think that what I said, he spoke about Sterling being one of the only players who he described them as, he described them as a killer um, in the final third. And like, we haven't seen that from Sterling all season long, but he was on Saturday and someone who can, you know, take a chance when Chelsea have got 70% of the ball um, and, you know, dominating the match, having the most chances. Chelsea haven't got enough of that. I think that's a you know a well spoken about um, subject this season, especially with, with the likes of Kai Havertz missing a whole host of chances. And you've got Sterling as well, who hasn't been on it this season. Um, all the others, Mudrick, you know, players like that. And yeah, he spoke about that a lot. He spoke about how Chelsea need more of that. And he was very he was very complimentary of Forrest as well. He, he didn't want. To, he was quick to point out that this wasn't an easy game, and pointed out the both side situations, which I don't think went down particularly well with Chelsea fans. But that is what happened. Yeah, I think 
he's not one to get too carried away, I don't think, Lampard, after a loss as much as he wasn't when Chelsea beat Bournemouth last week. And I think that there's a lot to be said a lot, you know, um, trying to keep a level head. But you can you can tell there's some frustration there because he would have loved more than nothing to you know follow up the win at Bournemouth with a win against Forest, especially when, like I said, Chelsea's last three games of the season all very difficult games against teams at the top of the table. Yeah, and um, I guess we will just delve into Raheem Sterling a little bit more there. Um, as you say, he obviously had a very good second half against Forest. I think a lot was expected from him. I mean, in the summer, obviously, he arrived with Thomas Tuchel having kind of made the big player that Sterling was going to be like the, the centre of Chelsea's attack. He was going to be the key player moving forward this season. I mean, that hasn't worked out particularly well. Um, but Chelsea's attack has, has struggled to function all season as well. It's not all to, to lay at Sterling's door. Um, where, where do you see Sterling moving forward? I think there's been some chatter about he could possibly be a player up for sale in the summer. I don't know how, how much truth there is to that necessarily, but Chelsea do need to get players off the books. They do have a lot of wingers. Um, could, could he still be key next season, though, for Mauricio Pochettino if he does arrive as we expect? Absolutely. I think I, I find a lot of the Sterling criticism understandable, but a lot of it quite harsh because... I just think you need to... I think it's the same with a lot of Chelsea attackers, but I do think you need to look at what's happening at the club. None of... Like, all of these attacking players Chelsea have got have underperformed this season. But that... They're not all bad players. That is not the case. In fact, I think you find they're probably all very good players um, who Chelsea have spent a lot of money on from clubs where they flourished at. Like, look at Kai Havertz. The reputation he had before he, before he came to Chelsea was one of you know, the most sought-after players in European football. Chelsea signed him for 70-odd million and he has had his moments at Chelsea, um, some great moments. So he won the Champions League for them. He scored really big goals and he has shown his talent. But this season, he, despite being Chelsea's top goal scorer, which isn't saying a lot because it's not the highest, it's not the highest um, total. But he is obviously a good player, but the, the system isn't suiting him and it's about finding, it's about get. It's about getting a system first and foremost. I'd say the system isn't suiting him. It's a lack of system, I think. Um, and that's understandable at the moment because you've got a caretaker manager in Lampard who's come in under really difficult circumstances. Um, but I don't think there was enough time, really, for Graham Potter to properly get across the system. And that's why you look at these attacking players who aren't performing, Raheem Sterling being one of them. I think you, I, I think you can only judge these attacking players properly apart from the ones who have been here long like you know maybe hacking Ziyech and Christian Pulisic Kai Havertz to some extent but I think you can only properly judge them once you know Pochettino's in the door he's had a few months to you know get get the attackers playing the way he wants them to to you know be part of his brand of football and I think for someone like Raheem Sterling he there is absolutely no doubt in my mind he is a world-class talent because he's shown that his record of Manchester City. I know you know Man City are one of the best sides in the world and they create so many chances. Not you know Chelsea don't create anywhere near as much as they do, but he, his record at Man City was absolutely frightening. It was like he's part of the Premier League 100 club, and 
for a winger, that's pretty special. Um, he's shown for England's, I think it was in the Euros, the most recent Euros, I think he was England's best player, probably their top goal scorer. Um, and yeah, so there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Sterling is a top player, but he just needs to, he needs to be part of a system that suits him. He needs to, he needs to show on a more consistent basis how good he is. And I think that will come um, under, you know, a manager who has time to settle and is given, is given the long run by Chelsea's owners. And hopefully that'll be next season. Yeah, I know certainly in the early days of Stone's arrival, um, I think it might have been again against Everton, he did look as if he was going to offer something Chelsea didn't have. Um, he was direct, unafraid to carry the ball and take a player on and, and get in the box, which was the big thing for Chelsea coming into this season. Um, I think, as you say, the the issues around Chelsea's goal scoring have obviously been long story, that they go beyond this season and perhaps have culminated in this season. Um due to the, the reasons you mentioned. Um, the quality of Chelsea's chances also haven't been very good. And just looking here, I mean, Sterling still managed nine goals, obviously not what you want from a team that had high aspirations, but I think four assists and goal conversion still 30%. But it's, I just wonder whether when you look at the likes of Man City and Liverpool, he's always had somebody to help share that burden. And I, I guess, did Chelsea need that as well to... They need that threat that we've spoken about so many times over the course of this season. Do they need a new forward? Um, we will speak about that a little bit later as well. Um, but that will certainly be a big test for for Pochettino um, to, to truly get the best out of Raheem Sterling. There was another player I did see on social media at the weekend who was getting a lot of love, and that was you know um, nice to see because I think he's somebody who comes in for criticism a bit too quickly on occasion but um trevor chalaber um i did notice was getting a lot of praise at the weekend and i think you wrote a piece um on some some quotes from lampard as well so just just how did he look and i may maybe say a little bit about how you see his his future at chelsea with their bulk of center halves and you know the possibility of a returning levi colwell as well yeah i thought he was really good on um saturday again he he played it. He's played the last two games as a right back at Bournemouth and then at home to Forest. I think he's done really well in both. Uh, at Bournemouth, he was he was combining very well with Kante, who was on the right side, the uh, right centre mid, and Madueke. Um, ben Free sort of had like this triangle at see most of the game, especially in the first half where I was sat um, quite close to where they were attacking, and Ben Free sort of had a good understanding, so that was good to see. And then on, I think he actually played better on Saturday. Um, he obviously got the assist for Sterling's goal, which was a really, really good assist. I don't, well, I saw fantasy football not give it to him in the end of the assist because I think it took a deflection on the way, but I, think, I thought that was a bit harsh. Um, but he was trying to pick out Sterling and it eventually got to him, albeit a bit fortunate, but I think, you know, the, the intention was there and it wasn't a bad ball. He found him and, yeah, I think it's really pleasing to see because when you, when you have a centre-back, you know, a traditional centre-back who plays as a right-back, usually you don't associate them with going forward too much. They, they probably offer more of a um, solidity at the back. I, I'm just thinking of examples like um, Joe Gomez at Liverpool, who's played right back a lot of the time. He doesn't really offer the threat going forward of, you know, like Trent. But I thought um, Chalaber really did offer a threat at right back and 
that's probably what Chelsea miss a lot when Rhys James is out because you look at Aspilicueta now when he comes in, he's not what he once was. He doesn't offer the same attacking threat as he once did. He's still a great crosser of the ball, but he hasn't. He probably has. Well, he hasn't got the speed of Chalaba and Rhys James now. So yeah, it was great to see. And yeah, I think it's really interesting with Chalaba because if you asked me before these last two games. Um, I would have said that he's one who probably might look for a move away in the summer. But that's how quickly, you know, things can change in football after two really good performances. He's now he's now someone who can play in a variety of positions, is what Lampard spoke about. Um you obviously bet Sano back. I think he played defensive mid when he was on loan in France. You can play right back. He's he's done that under Tuchel before as well. Um so this is someone who can, you know, cover most of the positions across the back four or five, so to speak. Um, and I think because of the, the immense competition at centre back, you know, you got Thiago Silva, Badia Shield, Wesley Fofana, you got Colwell returning, um, and anyone else potentially. I think having having that is a good thing for him. It the only problem is it won't necessarily make him start every week because you know when Reese James is fit and obviously you've got Mado Gusto as well um coming to the club after signing him in January and he was been on loan at Leon then he won't be first choice at right back but with Reese James's injury record it, it that's a worry so Chelsea having you know three players who could play right back isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world um, and obviously, he can cover centre back, and he can play as a six. So I think that is good, but it obviously very much depends on what he wants to do because it doesn't necessarily make him a starter every week. It's he'll be more of a utility player. Lampard spoke about it on Saturday after the game. Um, a journalist asked him where he sees Shadowburn in the future, like position-wise, and he he said he didn't really want to, you know, like pin him down to one, restrict him to just one position because he can play everywhere. And I, I do genuinely feel like, I know it's only two games, but I feel like those two performances at right back are some of his best this season. So maybe maybe that is one thing in the future as a right back because, you know, he's great defensively, as we know. Um, so he's not going to let a lot go down that side. And the fact that he's been attacking with such confidence and, you know, adding such a different threat, I think that's great for Chelsea. And yeah, it's great to see because, you know, like you said, he. I think he does come in for some unfair criticism sometimes. I think a lot of the boys from Cobham do, um, to be honest, for whatever reason. Some some Chelsea fans seem to have a odd dislike towards players who come from the academy, only some. Um, but yeah, I think it's great to see. And, you know, we all know he loves the club and in an ideal world, he probably want to stay at Chelsea. So I, I think like with every other player, really, it just depends on what, Pochettino wants to do because you know we've got a new we've got a new manager coming in, someone with fresh ideas, and he'll even though we we believe to we believe that he hasn't signed the contract officially yet, he'll have a rough idea in his head. You would have thought of what he wants to do with certain players, what he wants to do with the squad, and it'll be interesting to see what uh, role Trevor has in the season. Yeah, for sure, and um, I guess we'll quickly. Take a little sidestep, though. It will relate to Nottingham Forest again. Um, just talk about 
Chelsea have some international involvement coming up with the under-20s and the under-17s as well. So just going to rattle off who has received the call-ups on that front. Um, so it's the under-17 Euro finals. Ted Kurd, Sompdil Boniface, Josh Achiompong, Keanu Dyer, and Michael Golding have all been called up there. And then, of course, there's another set of players in the under-20s, uh, which was last week. Um Harvey Vale and Carney Chukwemeka, obviously two of the high-profile ones, Teddy Sharman Lowe as well. But obviously, I think most notably in terms of who was available against Forrest, Lewis Hall uh, was called up for that and appears, well, obviously Chelsea have said no to that. He's got some involvement to come for the rest of the season and now it also appears that um, Chukwemeka is going to be involved with Chelsea before the end of the season as well. Um what, what what do you make of that? Is, is that, I guess, a benefit for the players to, to be involved before the end of the season? Or would you rather see them got a little bit international experience? I think it's unfortunate, the timing of the tournament. And um, a lot of managers have spoken about it. I think it would have been a little better if it was the end of the season. But, you know, for a, for a team like Chelsea, who've you know, got nothing to play for now in the end of the season. It would be good to get the likes of Lewis Hall, Chucky Mecca, whoever, some minutes in the first team because, you know, that's been restricted this season because of Chelsea's huge squad. And it, it's, it's sort of bittersweet, I'd say, because, you know, like Lewis Hall would probably love to represent his country at a um, World Cup. It would be, be great, whatever, whatever age level, whatever. But now he's going to get some minutes for Chelsea. Um, because of you know the injuries to uh, Ben Chilwell and Kukurea, and he also played on Saturday. He did well. It wasn't his, you know, it wasn't his best performance of the season. I've, I've definitely been more impressed in different games, but I thought he did well. He didn't. He did, he definitely didn't look out of place. He was one of probably Chelsea's stronger performers. Um, had a few good moments. Was perhaps caught out defensively a bit for the uh, Forest second goal. Probably could attract his man a bit better, but you know that. That's to be expected almost. But yeah, he's, he's definitely a threat and he's a, he's a really good passer of the ball. And you can, you know, he, he, is a cent, he is a central midfielder. So you can see that, I think, when he gets the ball, he's technically brilliant. And, you know, he's got all the, he's got all the attributes you'd expect for an 18-year-old. He's very energetic, very quick. Um, wants to, you know, he just looks perhaps a lot keener than other players to challenge for the ball, win the ball, whatever. So yeah, that's good to see. And, if he can play in the last three games of the season, that'd be great for him personally. And, you know, the Chelsea fans who want to see their youngsters do well. And yeah, I hope it's a similar situation with Shuki because we haven't really seen him. I don't know when his last appearance was, but it doesn't, it feels like an eternity ago. And, you know, I, I reported a couple of weeks ago now that Chelsea would be considering loaning him out in the summer. And, I guess for him in this last three games, if he gets on the pitch, of course, it's a chance to prove that he doesn't necessarily need that loan. He can, he can be, you know, someone who's knocking on the door of Pochettino um, next season to be getting a place in the start of eleven because we we've only seen glimpses of him this season. I think he's played eleven times, um, but I've been impressed almost every time I've seen him. I think I, I think he's got some really, you know, unique attributes for a central midfielder it's very powerful on the ball for such a young lad he's you know he's built very well 
and he's technically really good as well, which sometimes those two things go, don't go hand in hand together. Um, but yeah, so it would be really interesting to see if he gets any minutes. I really hope he does because, and I know a lot of Chelsea fans do as well from just like looking on my Twitter timeline, there's always a lot of disappointment when he doesn't make the squad or he doesn't make the 11. And I think Lampard said on Saturday, he said that he was unwell overnight. Um, so overnight on Friday night to Saturday morning. So maybe that means he would have been in the squad. I don't quite know, but he, it sounds like he might have been in the squad before us, but he could have got some minutes. But yeah, I mean, when you look at Chelsea and all the players going out this summer on permanent deals, we're expecting loads, um, probably over 10. You look at someone like Chukimeka, he could, if he does have a really good end to the season for the first team, then who's to say that he's not going to be a key part of Pochettino's team that season. We Pochettino's been really good at sort of every club he's been at for building up youngsters, building up their confidence, getting them some experience in the first team. And I guess that's one of the many reasons um, Todd Bowley wants him because, you know, they, they focus a lot on youth. They've signed a lot of youth players since they took over the club last, last May. And someone like Chucky Mecca could probably really benefit from Pochettino if he does get a chance to impress. Yeah, yeah, certainly that, that would be good to see. I think uh, just looking now that Chukwemeka's last appearance was four minutes against Everton, um, which had followed eight minutes against Leicester and 15 minutes against Leeds. He's obviously not been involved a great deal this season. I think he's only made the squad under Lampard in the second leg against Real Madrid in the Champions League. I think there have been maybe some little injury issues and obviously you mentioned illness more recently. He's only uh, started as well. Yeah, so... It does make it an interesting decision to uh, to bring him back, but obviously I think, and with Hall as well, it's been forced to a degree, I guess, through injuries. Obviously, Ben Chilwell and Marco Correa out at left-back, although Chilwell um, was pictured on the grass training with Reese James and Mason Mount on a Tuesday, I believe. And then obviously it's a similar situation with Chukwemeka where uh, Kante is obviously injured and those numbers kind of... Dwindling a little bit in, in central midfield as well. Um, Probably change too as well. Yeah. Getting off against Forest too. Uh, I guess we will pick up on Kante there as well. Then um, Obviously, he is still, uh, it is now May, and he's still set to run out of contract at the end of next month. It's one we thought was close back in February. Um, obviously, nothing's still announced. I think Kante... A couple of weeks ago now was had an interview. He still sounded kind of positive about the idea of a future at Chelsea, um, about the, the project that we that we always hear about um, in relation to the club moving forward as well. But is it something where you're starting to get a bit concerned whether Kante will extend his deal, Bobby? And I guess with signs of another injury, do, do you think Chelsea should have concerns about extending his deal? I think everyone, as you know, as each game ticks on, goes by, you you do start to have a bit of doubt um, because there's only what three games after the season now, and that will be done in the next two weeks. So, it's natural to have a bit of doubt because we're told, like you said a couple months ago, that um, you know both parties are confident, both parties want to get it done. So there is always going to be a bit of doubt. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what the holdup is in negotiations, if there is any, or if it maybe perhaps they're just waiting to announce it. Who knows? 
Um, but yeah, obviously the injuries aren't ideal, and he's what thirty-one now, I think, can't he? Um, this will probably be his last, you know, big contracts. And then with a player like him as well, who's had so many injuries, and the way he plays, you know, he tr- covers every blade of grass. In like theoretically, it's not always the case, but they are sort of the first players to lose lose their legs, so to speak because of the energy they put in um, throughout their career, you know, their legs will start to go in the last stage of their career. So, yeah, I, I, there is obviously a bit of concern with his injuries, but I do think if you're Chelsea, you can just keep him fit. And I know it's easier said than done with players who are injury prone, but if you can just keep him fit for even, you know, just over half a season, you know, 20 Premier League games. And I think he had so much quality to the side. And I think we saw, didn't we? I think it was his re- I think his first game back was the draw against Liverpool. If I'm yeah, right. Yeah. I, I think you saw in that game just what he offers and how much better Chelsea's midfield looks, despite, you know, it being quite a um, drab game, really. But yeah, I, I, I'd still be, I'd still really be wanting, um, him to sign a new deal if I was working at Chelsea and I'm sure I'm sure nothing has changed that on that front um, and from his point of view as well he, he loves the club it, we're, we're, like, we're led to believe that he's very settled and his family are settled so hopefully the deal will get done sooner rather than later because it gets to the end of the season you know and it gets to June and his contract's expiring at the end of the month and other clubs Obviously, other clubs would have expressed their interest by now, but they they might be looking to take real advantage of the situation, considering how le- how long is left in this contract. But yeah, I, I'm still hopeful it will get sorted out. Yeah, I think as you mentioned about that Liverpool game, Kane has probably been one of the more fun aspects of the season. His, his return from injury provided, you know, a little bit of light in the season um, that has been full of, you know, darkness and despair for Chelsea supporters and. He's been fun to watch. Sadly, it hasn't turned around the results too much uh, yet, but he's certainly a real asset to have. And you know, if you if you can get Kante even close to his best, he, he could be very useful in in the biggest games next season. I think. Yeah. But speaking of deals that we're waiting to get done, um, I guess we should turn to another that people are probably you know most interested in at the moment: um, Mauricio Pochettino. Um, we expect him to become the next Chelsea uh, head coach along with his backroom team um, with right-hand man uh, Jesus Perez, Sebastiano Pochettino, his son, um, Tony Jimenez and D'Agostino as well. Uh, I think they're all expected to join. Um, we've obviously been covering it for a little while now. Um, what What is the state of play at the moment, Bobby? Is, is he in London? Are we, are we going to see something soon? Uh, I, I don't. I couldn't tell you if he's in London right now. I don't know. Um, I was talking to someone the other day, and they they told me he will be in London this week. But that was, you know, all I could get out from them. So I couldn't get the day. Maybe they didn't even know the day. To be honest, it's probably a very fluid process. Uh, yeah, we we've been expecting it for a while. Um, it was just a matter of when, really. And I was I was coming back from the Nottingham Forest game the other day. Um, we had to get a, I had to get a coach back because of the train strikes, and I was. Then I saw David Ornstein tweet about it, and I was like, "Oh no, not now!" I was just on a coach, which didn't have any Wi-Fi, 
Um, and I text the person who I know, and yeah, they said that it was true, which you know is great. But it was just, it was just, I always knew whenever we would get announced, it would never be at an ideal time. You know, like there's been days where we, me and you, have just been waiting for it, and it hasn't come. And then it was always going to be what Saturday night at like nine pm or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, the deal is all agreed. Uh, he's he needs to sign a contract still, but that's you know the the wait to because we haven't really had any news since Saturday night. But the wait isn't anything to worry about. It's just you know the normal process, I guess. Um, and then it's you know it's up to Chelsea as a club when they announce it. I don't I don't know whether that will be you know straight away as he signs a contract or whether they'll wait to the end of the season. Um, that's completely up to them. But I guess in that regard, it's very similar to Nkunku, where it's all done and it's just waiting on the club to announce it. Um, yeah, great great news for Chelsea, I think. I, I feel like he is the man for the job. Um, obviously, that could all change. Who knows? We all know how difficult of a job Chelsea is. I, I did think, because Chelsea spoke to him before they appointed Graham Potter, and I did think, I'm not saying it now in hindsight, but I always thought Pochettino would have been the smarter choice and you know time will tell if it is or not but I yeah I just hope Chelsea will give him I've said this before but I hope Chelsea will give him the right amount of time because you know we he he, he seems like a fantastic manager and he seems like a really nice man as well we were speaking me and Scott were speaking to um Alice the Gold the other day earlier this week and he he covers Tottenham and he obviously um covered them when Pochettino was in charge and he spoke really highly of him as a man as well um seems to have a lot of time for people which is great and you know i guess that is also what sets him apart as a manager as well he's a, seems to be a fantastic man manager and i'm i'm literally writing an article in the background in a moment um just before we started this podcast about uh it was an interview we did with um jake humphrey on his high performance podcast and he spoke about how important it is to build relationships with each player for them to give you something back on the pitch and it, it does sound very simple you know if, if you if you um have a relationship with a player then they're going to give you stuff back in return that obviously sounds simple but it, I, I guess it's not done as much because you know Postino's well-renowned as one of the best man managers in football so it's obviously not done as much as we, we would have thought and yeah, I think it'll be really interesting because I do think this Chelsea squad right now, um, you know, really low on confidence. Really, I think Lampard said it the other week. They they don't really believe how good they are. They don't understand how good they are. And I think someone like Pochettino, with his expertise in you know sports psychology and man management and just general people skills, I think he's the perfect man. And I really hope for both his sake and Chelsea's sake, that it's, you know, a good combination and he'll be the man to, you know, spearhead this long-term project, as we always say. Yeah, uh, there's certainly a lot written about Pochettino and what he can offer, um, but for anybody looking for a little bit of insight into him and his background team, I really recommend Alistair Gould's interview with Jesus Perez from a few years ago from when they were still working at Chelsea. That's on the football.london website. Um, you should be able to find it with a quick Google Um and yeah, they again with speaking with working with players, they speaks about the closeness of that of that backroom team as well. They spent a lot of time in hotels together when they were at Southampton. They all lived close together at Tottenham as well, I think. 
and you know pretty much spend all the time together so it's really interesting insight and you know you get an idea of what maybe to expect from that group coming towards pre-season with Chelsea as well um as Bobby sort of noted we did I think discuss a few weeks ago on here who we would like as the new Chelsea boss and I think we both said Poch would be the the guy we'd like to see um if Julian Nagelsmann's agents to be believed Nagelsmann might have been the one that Chelsea wanted at first um whether that's a PR move in in the battle because obviously there were always a number of candidates Chelsea were looking at and also speaking to around that time um you can read into that what you will but certainly an exciting time uh for Pochettino to arrive uh hopefully he can lift the club um when it is announced and you know it's going to be an intense Pre-season period of, of getting rid of players, um, of ensuring the squad is fit enough and that they have the capacity, as Frank Lampard keeps mentioning about their inability to sustain um, a presence throughout 90 minutes. I think that'll be a really big test. And I think there's obviously emphasis on terms of pressing and things like that in Pochettino's system where the, the fitness will have to be top-notch. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do on that front. Is there is there anybody you're particularly looking forward to seeing under Pochettino? Yeah, I think I think just of what you were saying on um, the fitness, I can imagine this preseason is not going to be a very enjoyable one for um, Chelsea players because, like what what I've read on it, um, yeah, it's, it's quite intense with him and his backroom staff, especially coming into a team where you know the fitness has been questioned. Um, but yeah, I think there's a few players, obviously, I, I, I like to look for the attacking players, you know, the ones who are sort of underperforming. Um, you look at Modric, he'll be in his uh, first full season as a Chelsea player. And what Pochettino has done with wingers in the past, like Song Hyun-min, um, not a winger, so to speak, but Deli Alley. I think like that's very exciting. I think if, if, we could, if we can see a Modric that's, you know, firing under Pochettino, then that could be... You know that could be really deadly for Chelsea, and yeah, I, I think if you look at, I think it's all of the attackers really. We got Sterling, who we spoke about in depth just a minute ago. Um, Madueke, who's shown his talent in abundance over the last sort of three, four games, three games. Um, yeah, Kai Havertz. It'll be interesting to see the whole Mason Mount situation because you know everywhere you read, we hear that Pochettino is a huge fan of Mount. But whether or not that's enough to persuade him to stay or persuade the club to, you know, give him what he wants, we don't really know yet. But yeah, there's a whole load of players. Um, it's just, to be honest, it's finding the players who will be here next season is the difficult one, because I think the I think there's a lot of attackers who will be here because Chelsea signed a lot recently, and I don't think they'll let them go yet. But you look at the midfield, there could be, you know, five, four or five exits from there, like realistically, which is pretty crazy. Um, and yeah, I just, I just it is an exciting, it's an exciting time for Chelsea fans. One they need, um, and I think, you know, I think when Pochettino does finally take over, I think the general mood will be lifted at Chelsea from on social media and you know just with Chelsea fans generally. So yeah, I, I'm really already looking forward to pre-season and starting next season. Yeah, I think probably a lot of pressure to try and move on some players um, as quickly as possible for all those pre-season, you know, cut down the number. Pochettino likes working with a smaller squad in general, but you don't really want to see a situation like last year where 
obviously Emerson Palmer, uh, Marcus Alonso, Mitchie Batswai, Ross Barkley, they were all on the tour of the USA um, in place of, you know, some players who you'd consider had more of a chance of a future at Chelsea. So do that, you know, start forming that team. It'll be, be really positive. And then maybe, as I guess you come to expect with Chelsea, they, they can look at some incomings as well. And um, I guess the first one of those who might be be wanted by, by the club, maybe by Pochettino, is, is a new striker. Um, Pochettino has worked for, with some pretty good forward players at his last couple of clubs. Um Harry Kane, Killian Mbappe, if you've heard of them, Bobby. Um, Ricky Lambert. Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> um, will, will he have a new one to, to utilise this summer? I certainly hope so. Um, yeah, they 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 want uh, Victor Rossman, but I think about a thousand clubs do at the moment. So, you know, there's, there's nothing like advanced, but just I've quite heard about a month ago that Chelsea were like very big admirers of him because why wouldn't you be? I think he's got like 25 odd goals in Syria this season and he's, you know, very much massively helped Napoli win their first league title in over 30 years, I think it is. Um, so he's one of, you know, the hottest striker properties in, in the world at the moment and he's still fairly young. Uh, we've all seen that interview of him. I think where he said he um, idolizes Didier Drogba, and a lot of Chelsea fans obviously naturally get very excited about that. Um, but again, like who wouldn't idolize Didier Drogba as a striker? So, yeah, Chelsea won him, but Napoli very much, you know, um, stubborn on a stance saying they don't want to sell. It doesn't necessarily mean they won't. Like we've seen, especially with Napoli, actually, their their president's a very um, difficult man to deal with in terms of. Transfers, he's very stubborn and yeah, will certainly old hierarchy had plenty of experience of that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And obviously yeah. they they got Koulibaly last year for Napoli as well, didn't they? So, yeah, they did. And he he will try and get, you know, every last penny from whoever whoever is interested in Osserman and they've got a couple of other players. They got that uh, Georgian winger whose name I'm not gonna try and say, who's gonna be um very you know, very much looked looked at this summer by a lot of clubs, um, and obviously a couple of others as well. Like you would expect with a title winning squad, but also, man, yeah, he's on Chelsea's radar, um, and Chelsea do want that number nine. They've obviously got Chris, Christopher and Kunku on the way, but it sort of remains to be seen where he will play. If it's more on the wing, or if it's more as a centre forward, or more as a striker. I, I guess judging by Chelsea's interest in Osterman, then it's probably not going to be as you know your your go-to number nine. But Chelsea definitely needs someone, and we were making the point earlier about I think you said something about Sterling and easing the burden on him. Chelsea can get this you know 25, 30 goal a season striker as easier said than done. But, you know they come very rarely these days. Then it will lift the burden, so to speak, on the likes of Kai Havertz. Um, Raheem Sterling, Mudrick, Madueke, whoever, and Kunku to score all the time, and that might, you know, that might actually, ironically, see a better res- better return in terms of goals. Um, we've we've seen that before in the past. So, yeah, Ch- Chelsea very much like Osimhen, but you know, the the fact of how you know how sought after he is at the moment, how high his reputation is. Um, 
the fact that Chelsea won't have any European football next season could definitely help them in this case. Uh, I don't think in in every player like there, there'll be players that are interested in the summer. Of course, we still expect at least a couple of incomings. I don't think it will be the case all the time where Chelsea need to have Champions League football because you know a lot of players will recognise the size of the club, the you know the project, the the money, the back in everything. Um, but in Osimhen's case, it might be difficult because he's going to have so many clubs after him, and they're most likely probably going to boast Champions League football. And that will be a big one for him because when you're you know when you're at the peak of your powers, like he is at the moment, seemingly, then you want to be playing in. Uh, against you know the top European clubs. Yeah, and I think that's the problem Chelsea are probably going to have over the course of the summer when they when they have the biggest targets. Obviously, we're led to believe that striker, central midfielder, and goalkeeper are the other three positions. Um, very much a spine of a team. Um, Declan Rice, obviously another name, been long linked to Chelsea, and you know with his kind of entering the final year of his deal, Chelsea timed their season to go without Champions League football pretty badly when you've got Arsenal, Man United, Bayern Munich, all kind of talking about the same players. So it will be a big challenge uh, on the club this summer. Perhaps they will be tasked with finding those players a bit earlier, like they aspire to do moving forwards. And, you know, hopefully they can find some positives on that front. But I think we should look at the goalkeeper position. Um, Eduard Mendy was in goal against Nottingham Forest, as you said. He displaced Kepariza Balaga, who's, I guess, been number one for, for the vast bulk of the season. Um, obviously, he's never too far away from being questioned by supporters. And I think, you know, a few long-range efforts recently, uh, he's pointed questions in his directions direction um Kepa, i think he's actually had a really good season um i don't think anybody would have expected him to play as much back in august uh certainly against aston villa i think it was back in october he pulled off some amazing saves it felt during that period that he was just kind of blowing minds week in week out um that was the last time you saw chelsea win was it uh last time in the <laughs> premier league <laughs> i saw them live win yeah <laughs> it is <laughs> um I Kepa was good that day as well mason mount scored Good yeah. times, good times. Um, so perhaps he has had a bit of a raw deal, uh, but I don't think it's unfair to say neither Mendy or Kepper have you know, really cemented themselves as a long-term number one for Chelsea moving forwards with their performances this term. Um, I guess there's a reason that they're still looking at new goalkeepers. I think both of those guys come in to two years left on the deal, which is obviously that pivotal point we keep talking about, about where players will either look to be moved on or they'll renew the contracts. Um, there was a lot of talk about Mendy renewing his deal at the start of the season. That talk's all but gone um, in many respects. He perhaps is the easier one to sell with the lower wages. Chelsea requiring less of a fee to you know turn a, turn a profit for him. But what, what goalkeepers... Um, Chelsea looking at at the moment, Bobby, and I think maybe one of them played pretty well last night. Yeah, um, Andre Onana um, for Inter Milan. Um, I was saying to you earlier, I didn't actually watch the second half, um, but I watched the first half, and he, you know, he pulled off some great saves. There was one where um, I think it was Raheem Diaz had a chance inside the box. He was on the penalty spot after a pullback from Sonali. And Onana saved it, and it looked almost like comfortable. But I think his positioning before and to get there, like to predict that, really was really impressive. And he made the save look a lot easier than it actually was. 
um, yeah, so he's really impressed. He's really impressed me whenever I've seen him, really. Um, and we've heard about him for years, even I think when Abramovich was owner. I think Chelsea had been very much, you know, interested in, with, interested in him without actually making a move for him. He obviously had that whole thing where he was banned for um, a substance he took when he was at Ajax and that sort of complicated things a bit. I think Chelsea were in for him before that. But that obviously complicates things. And yeah, they, they very much like him. And yeah, like you said about Mendy and Kepa, I think I do think Kepa's had a you know a really good season and I don't think he's made too many like howlers. I there's a couple where you think a better keeper would save that, but not necessarily like obvious howlers. Whereas, which it seems ridiculous to say, but I do think a mistake from Mendy seems more likely at the moment. When, when you look at Mendy, Champions League winning season, he was, you know, one of the best keepers around. He was genuinely that good. And Chelsea signed him for next to nothing, really, from um, France. And yeah, it, would look, it looked like an unbelievable sign. And it was recommended by Petr Cech, you know, obviously a legendary goalkeeper himself he can obviously spot a goalkeeper talent from a mile away but for some reason and we don't know the reason it just this season he's been you know incredibly poor really like at the start of the season he was making mistake after mistake I remember that Leeds game Leeds away at Ellen Road that was awful from him and you know he was quickly dropped from the side I think and yeah we, like I said earlier I expected him to get another chance this season but Within what thirty odd minutes the other day, he made a pretty poor mistake. Really, um, real lack of judgment. And that that could be down to not playing a lot of football recently. But I guess when I guess when you're a goalkeeper, especially like you're you're very much judged on what you do on the pit, like what you do on the pitch, because mistakes stand out a lot more because they're obviously more costly. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Kepa comes back into the side for City on Sunday. Um, but yeah, so. Andre Onana, like I said, uh, David Raya, Brentford, so he very much looks like he's leaving. I think Brentford have seen a lot of reports that Brentford have already sort of accepted that he's leaving and looking for other goalkeepers. Um, yeah, he's someone Chelsea really likes and sort of, you know, been discussed quite a lot um, over the last few months, especially. So they're the two names that like keep getting mentions um more than anyone there was there was chat of like jordan pickford that sort of always has been but that hasn't really developed into anything it seems um but then maybe that will if everton go down you know um he he's very much a premier league goalkeeper premier league level goalkeeper so there'll be plenty of clubs after him but yeah onana and david Rye at the moment and yeah i think chelsea are just chelsea do need to sign that top goalkeeper because I think I think if you look at the you know the sides competing at the top of the league where Chelsea want to be they've, they've all got a goalkeeper who's you know fairly outstanding and world class yeah for sure and I guess going off that point there and, and you did mention Kepa who, who would you start against Manchester City this weekend um, Kepa I'd say uh, I don't I just I, I do feel almost harsh on Mendy because you know first game back in however many months and he makes a mistake almost straight away and it does seem harsh but like I said it's it's brutal being a goalkeeper and I think Lampard will go back with Kepa I don't think 
it's with Kepa, I don't think he's I don't think he deserves to I don't think it necessarily was him being dropped. I think it was just giving Mendy a chance, but I don't think he deserves to come out the side for his performance this season. But equally I don't think that he's done enough to prove that Chelsea don't need to go out and buy a goalkeeper. So I would I would expect and I hope he comes back into the side on Sunday. Um what are you saying? Yeah, I think I don't know. Like you say, it wasn't surprising to see Mendy get the opportunity. I think many expected it maybe to come a little bit sooner, but you know, more often than not, I feel like Kepa has done pretty well. Um, certainly, obviously, we do our player ratings, and I feel like it's rarely that you can judge him too harshly when Chelsea have conceded. So, I would have been quite happy to see him remain in goal for the rest of the season. Um, so, yeah, I don't know whether just because. It's more of a show of support than anything else. Maybe you have to start Mendy against Man City now. Um, I said there isn't a great deal left to play for for Chelsea outside of, you know, earning three points and, you know, putting in a display that is worthy of the shirt. So, but maybe it is a chance to try and, you know, find some faith in Mendy and just see what he can do before the end of the season. But that said, Manchester City is not going to be an easy game this weekend. Uh, Chelsea have already played them three times and been thoroughly outclassed three times um they've barely laid a glove it's felt like i think in those games um we did mention think this I think Hall earlier. Yeah. i think yeah uh look. um but lewis hall uh i guess he's in line to play again uh pretty much half of his, his starts for chelsea have came against manchester city which really doesn't feel very fair um, yeah but like you say, it's yeah. not going to be easy. Manchester City, I think a win seals the title for them on Sunday. Um, so it would do no harm to stop that happening. That would be a nice little storyline for Chelsea to try and you know find something to take from this difficult season for everybody. Um, so, yeah, Chelsea haven't scored a goal against Manchester City. It's been 2-0, 1-0, and 4-0. Yeah, it's not really felt like it's uh, been competitive, really. It's, it's, it's been difficult to watch from a Chelsea perspective. Um, what we've seen recently, I don't know whether there's necessarily too much to provide hope for for Chelsea. But they did they did prove competitive against Real Madrid. Um, that's obviously who Manchester City play this evening. Um, so maybe maybe they can find a little tactical tweak to put Manchester City under pressure. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you see a way for, for Chelsea? You know, earn a point if if not three points at the weekend. Um, no, <laughs> uh, <laughs> to be honest, uh, City are just yeah, City are like. They're almost like robots at this point. When they get to this stage of the season, they, um, we've seen it. You know, when they've been against Liverpool for the title, when they've now against Arsenal, they just seem to always find a way to win, and they seem to always do it pretty comfortably as well. Um, yeah, they're they're real. They're real. They're they're absolutely freakishly good when it comes to stuff like this, and yeah, that's. Credit to Pep Guardiola how he sets his team up, and you know, they, they, they are just unbelievable. And the fact they're still fighting on three fronts, they got the FA Cup final against uh, their city rivals, Man United, to come. Um, 
they've obviously tonight they're playing Real Madrid in the second leg of that game at one all, and they're going to win the Premier League. Um, even if they don't do it this weekend, which I do fully expect them to do, I think that they obviously will in the last two games of the season. And yeah, unfortunately for Chelsea, that it's cut. I guess it's even coming at a worse time because you know City, knowing that a win will do it, they're going to be so hungry and they're going to want to absolutely. You know they're going to be at you from the first whistle, and I feel for Frank Lampard. Like, how, how do you even? What do you do? You, yeah. I just don't really see a way that Chelsea can get anything from this game. And it, yeah, they they, they might rotate after after the European game, but I did see somebody question Manchester City's depth last weekend in a match where they had Kevin De Bruyne and like Jack Grealish on the bench. I, or something I think like they I think Man City's second team would come second in the Premier. Which yeah. is actually. <laughs> And that's no real disrespect to Arsenal because they've been amazing this season, but I think their second team is just genuinely incredible. So yeah, to so- someone's question their depth is ridiculous. Um, like they, they they quite often you know either rested De Bruyne or just not risked risked him this season, and they just don't miss him really. Like you know to not miss someone like Kevin De Bruyne or even the Harlands, he's missed a few games and they brought in Alvarez and just look just as good. It's it's incredible and yeah that an injury to them doesn't really affect them whereas it would to Arsenal as we've seen with Saliba um, how sort of how much they've dropped off since he's been out and you know if Chelsea were to lose Reese James like we've seen many a time this season um, there is a there is a notable noticeable drop off so yeah this city side um, I thought the I thought the game at Stamford Bridge was almost a it wasn't wasn't really competitive as in the way you thought Chelsea were ever going to win that game, but there was there were you know it wasn't it wasn't an embarrassment anyway. I guess it's like in some ways it's the best thing you can take from games against Man City to not concede like three or more goals or whatever. But yeah, I, unfortunately for Chelsea, I do not expect them to get anything from the Etihad on Sunday. And yeah, it just it does feel like Chelsea have played City just. An embarrassing, embarrassing amount of time of the season, and yeah, like you know, this will be the final one of the season, and to get it, get it over and done with. And yeah, I just like I said, I feel for Lampard. I just don't think there's a way you can set up that side that doesn't see City scoring at least two goals. And you know, their defense is so strong as well. Cities, they've got you know Nathan Ake who's had the season of his life. So many Chelsea fans being angry last summer when they were linked with them. Um, but he's just been uh, like exceptional this season. They've obviously got John Stones, who's playing in midfield, which is ridiculous. They've got Ruben Diaz, America Port. You know, the fact they've loaned Juan Cancelo to Bayern Munich, who's just been unbelievable for the last couple of seasons. and They can just afford to loan him out. Yeah. Unfortunately for Chelsea, this weekend's not going to be the one. Is there anything you would like to see from Chelsea, despite <laughs> all that? <laughs> uh, it's harsh, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. Of course, I'd I'd like to see, even if they can just go twenty minutes where they have a bit of control in the game. Because City, what City do, they they just kill you with their passing. Um, I I found over the last couple of seasons, I, I don't I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but sometimes I find City quite boring to watch because they're so good at controlling the game that it just doesn't feel like a contest a lot of the time. And I guess that is obviously what Guardiola is trying to do. If Chelsea can go to the Etihad and just, you know, have some sort of control, 
other game that'll be great because we're, I think we were at the Etihad in January, I think it was, for the FA Cup. Yeah. And I can't like I can't remember Chelsea stringing like more than four passes together in that game. Um that was that was a very, you know, uh rotated Chelsea side with a lot of players who haven't played together before. But they still didn't you know, have any form of control over the game. So if they could do that, that'd be great. I also would like to see Lewis Hall again. By all accounts, I think he probably will play because Lampard hasn't really got too many options. I don't really know the situation with Kukurea. I guess we'll hear more about that on Friday, um, whether he's back or not. But yeah, I'd like to see Lewis Hall. If Chukimaka could get any form of minutes, that'd be great. Uh, Datro Fofana, maybe. Like he was on the bench. Rather surprisingly, really, against um, Forrest because we haven't seen him in the squad for ages. He didn't get on. But then again, you know, like it, it depends how the game's going because you don't really want to chuck these players on if um, Chelsea are, you know, going to be a lot of goals behind um, because, you know, uh, dent their confidence a bit. So there's obviously the element of protection from Lampard. So yeah, th- th- there are obviously a few things. It, it, I I just like to see, you know, I, I like to see a bit of confidence there and not because at times when they face City this season, it almost looks like we've been scared of them. Yeah, yeah. I think particularly in those cup matches that the the ties were done as contests by halftime. Um, I think what was it? Was it three nil at halftime in that FA Cup match we were at in January? It was two nil um, in the League Cup, and I think. Again, it's it's been maybe an issue for Chelsea. Just seeing if they do go a goal behind, which is entirely possible, um, you've just got to hope they can, you know, show the resilience to to stay within the game and not concede, you know, another one or two quite swiftly afterwards. Um, and then, you know, like you say, it'd be good to, to see a contest. Um, that will be difficult to do. Manchester City can blow anybody in the world away on, on the day. But, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to see a competitive game this weekend. And, you know, it's not going to be an easy end to the season. But theoretically, this should be the toughest one remaining. Um, and maybe yeah. there can be more more positive found before before the end of the season. Um you never know. We might get might get nine points from the last three games. <laughs> that that would be quite something. Quite something. And the uh, thing is, I don't even know, I don't even know if Chelsea fans would want to win this weekend to give Arsenal any form of hope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just I was uh, speaking to somebody earlier. I was just like, what uh, last three games of the season this could have been if Chelsea was still, you know, in Champions League contention or something more um, in, the, yeah. in the table. It would have been phenomenal with Man U and Newcastle left to play. But um, I guess as we hit the hour mark, we'll we'll wrap things up there. And uh, just a couple of little housekeeping things. I didn't include congratulations to Bashir Humphreys when mentioned he was going away with the under-20s. And Alfie Gilchrist has been nominated for one of the player of the seasons in um, Premier League 2, um, having played for the development side this season so best of luck to him that and congratulations for that as well but we'll be back again next week uh, when Chelsea probably have two games left to play um, with Manchester United and Newcastle we'll be talking about of course this Manchester City game so join us then we'll have plenty over on football.london and in the meantime we'll have live coverage of this weekend's game and the press conference ahead of that so make sure you follow Bobby and myself on Twitter and Facebook as well. And uh, 
yeah, thanks for joining us.